Well, good morning, everybody. Here we go. Things finally cranked up there. So if you saw me just standing here or sitting here, uh, I didn't know that I was actually rolling or not. But here we are. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, January 30, 2023. Can you believe that January is almost over? My goodness, this month just sailed by. But <clears throat> that's not necessarily a bad thing. I guess we're closer to spring. The days are definitely getting longer, and uh, I'm happy to have had this month with you. Um, it's great to be back this morning. I hope that everybody had a wonderful weekend and that yesterday found you um, in a Bible-believing church somewhere that you are a regular part of. Had a wonderful day at Old Providence, so it's good to be with you this morning, and it's good, especially with the subject material that we come to today. What a blessing. Um, the last time that we were together, um, to quote the, the line from the hymn, Lo, in the grave he lay. We talked about the end of chapter 19, where we see Joseph of Arimathea, who we really don't know much about at all, but also that character Nicodemus finally comes all the way around um, and is very clearly a disciple of Jesus and yet where we pick up today is early on the first day of the week and we see that the grave could not hold him and praise be to god for that so let's pray and then we will dig in our father we thank you for this time that you have given to us and we ask that you would be with us in it as we come to this monday as we come to this joyful portion of scripture what a blessing it is to be your children. What a blessing it is to be redeemed by Jesus Christ, who defeated death and hell once and for all, so that in him we may have life. Help us to enjoy this victory today. Please be with us and guide us, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. So chapter 20, verse 1, we read, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, pause right there. It's fascinating. We don't get the stories that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. We don't have to. We're going to see in just a few verses why John wrote what he wrote. If you recall, he's already told us why he's included what he's included back in chapter 19, verse 35. He said, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and testifies so that you also may believe. That is John's entire purpose in including he chooses to include. But here we find Mary Magdalene. Now, there are several Marys that, that are part of Jesus's ministry. We really don't know all that much about these different people that are named. We know that she has been honored by our Lord. We know that she financially supported our Lord's ministry. We know, uh, we believe this is the Mary that was cleansed of demons, right? We but outside of that, we really don't know that much, but we know that she is in very close proximity to our Lord. Why was she going there? Don't exactly know that. There's, there's speculation. We have other passages that talk about them going to the tomb to honor our Lord, that sort of thing. But nevertheless, to take more spices, you know, doesn't matter. 
John didn't give us any of that. What we get, what we just read, Mary Magdalene, she's going to the tomb. She gets there. She sees that the stone has been rolled away. And apparently that's all. And the reason I say that is that nothing happens after that with her, because as soon as she sees that the stone had been removed from the entrance, she knows, okay, something is going on here. We know that because once they seal the tomb, they typically don't unseal the tomb, okay? Unless they're going to lay someone else in it. She knows that wouldn't be the case. So she knows that something is going on here. We know that because of verse two. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, who is the we? You got to go to the other Gospels to find out that Mary isn't alone. Why does John only use Mary Magdalene's name? Maybe it's because Mary Magdalene is the one that acts sort of as the spokesman for the other women. She's the one that comes to himself, by the way, when, when John references the one who Jesus loved, the disciple who Jesus loved, he's talking about himself, all right? Maybe that's why we only find out that Mary Magdalene is here from John. She's the one that came around. She talked to Simon Peter. She talked to John. And it's fascinating, the very first thing that she says. What's on Mary's mind, and clearly what's going to be on John and Peter's mind, is not what Jesus said was going to happen. You know, the, their, their mind is not going to immediately go to, okay, Jesus said he was going to be arrested, check. Jesus said that it was going to be agony and it was going to be brutal what he faced. Definitely check. Um, Jesus is going to be crucified and lifted up. Jesus, Jesus said he would be crucified and lifted up. Check. They never got to the fourth check which Jesus said, but I will rise again. Why? Y'all, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know why with John and with Peter, because we're going to find out exactly why they didn't get to that fourth checkbox. Because again, y'all realize that Jesus had been telling them these things since all the way back at Caesarea Philippi, when he made the turn to come back to Jerusalem. And even before that, he alluded to what was going to happen. But he spoke, Mark chapter 8, he spoke plainly to them of these things. When he explained that he was going to be arrested and crucified and rise again, and that it was necessary for all of these things to happen so that scripture would be fulfilled. Mark chapter 8, all the way back at Caesarea Philippi, when he makes his turn to come back to Jerusalem, he spoke plainly. They make it through all the check boxes of what Jesus said would happen. But when it comes to the last one, when Jesus said, but I'm going to rise again, they didn't go there. Mary's first reaction is they've taken our Lord's body. Perhaps to scandalize things more. Maybe she was worried that they, that it wasn't enough for them to crucify him, that they were going to parade him around. You know, that's nothing new that, that, that kind of thing happened, right? Where they would take a body or take the head off of a body and put it on the city gates. And I don't mean to, to be terse about anything, but again, this is one of the most brutal empires, you know, Alexander the great, so brutal y'all. But anyway, 
there would have been nothing surprising that the Romans would do. I mean, seriously brutal people. So maybe her mind went there. That it's not enough that they killed Jesus. Now they have to parade him around, his, his, his corpse around. Uh, maybe it's something else. I, I don't know. I just know where her mind didn't go, and her mind didn't go to the resurrected Christ. Okay? Now, at first, we, we don't get anything. John doesn't include anything about their interaction with Mary and the other women. Instead, immediately after verse 3, it says, So, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's fascinating what uh, it's fascinating what's included. John's talking about himself. Um, this idea that they both they didn't walk, right? It wasn't some gentle thing. As soon as Mary said they've taken our Lord, they went a running. Okay, uh, but John outran Peter. But it's interesting. Even though he outran Peter, verse five, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. John is clear about that. Verse 6, then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been folded, or that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Again, y'all, it's just fascinating what's included. It's fascinating to me, right, that John says, well, I outran Peter, but then you see Peter, He's just being Peter, right? He's, he's Peter. And John, the idea we get is that John gets there and he's kind of, you know, being generous. He's, he's taking things in. He, he's looking into the tomb and he sees the linen there. Peter finally gets there, right? I don't know why Peter was slower than John. I don't think, the, the, I feel the, obviously there's no commentary on Peter slower than John. Peter gets there. And he's just Peter. He doesn't even wait. He just bust up in the place, right? That's <laughs> like when Jesus was arrested. All the other disciples are there. Peter's trying to cut people's heads off, but he cut somebody's ear off instead. That means he probably wasn't very good with a sword, but it doesn't matter. Peter goes in, but what he finds is interesting. Now you might say, well, why does John give this detail? Well, y'all, I think at first, John gives this detail to show the intentionality of what has taken place in the tomb, right? And to show what hadn't taken place. If this was an instance of grave robbers, for instance, they would not have taken, first off, they would not have unwrapped the body. That would have been crazy for them to unwrap the body. Again, because decay sets in, and y'all, I don't have to be gross here. Y'all know how decomposition works. Even after you know the three days, it y'all know how stuff works. If somebody was taking the body, the body, a dead body, any dead body, they wouldn't unwrap it. But let's just say that they did. If there was haste that was made, which you'd figure there would have to be, and also there would have to be a group of men because this stone was crazy heavy. It couldn't be just one person. Even if they did unwrap the body, would they take the time to fold up the linens? You know, this is the equivalent to making a bed once you get out of it. So by his words, John's showing, okay, 
we get there, the idea that somebody just took Jesus's body, that doesn't really jive with the circumstances they found. And then we read in verse 8, finally the other disciple. Now remember, John is talking about himself. And it's fascinating that he said, finally. Why was he reticent to stay outside of the tomb? Was he scared? We don't know. But verse 8 says, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And then this is key. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. You know, it's interesting. Why do you think that he said this? Well, we can speculate all day long, right? We can speculate. But I think it's fascinating because if you go all the way back to John chapter 1, when Jesus is calling the disciples, you see some interesting things happening, right? You see Andrew and Simon Peter's brother. When you see Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel, it's fascinating. And go back to chapter one with me. It's fascinating in what John includes. But in John 1.47, it says that when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is the true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is just the first instance where Jesus confronts somebody because they've seen something. Now, later on, Jesus would say, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. And yet John's commentary on himself is that it took him walking into the tomb and looking and seeing the linen folded. And then he saw and believed. He makes no further commentary on this. But you need to be careful that we address this for what it is. In no way, shape, or form is John offering words of flattery for himself. You know, this is not a proud Missouri resident, the show me state, where, hey, you have to, you got to show me and then I'll believe. That is not a biblical virtue. Faith does not require sight. In fact, we walk by faith and not by sight because we can't always trust the things that we see, but we can always trust the Lord. So is John including this just because he's saying that it was at this point? You know, it's at this point right here. Earlier before, he referenced the fact that he had seen these things, but it's as if he steps back, right? Again, verse 37, he knows that he tells you the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. Now, that's a step back 10,000 foot view moment for John, talking about the whole of everything that he's writing and including. 
Maybe he includes this here in John chapter 20. Again, he saw and believed to let us know that it was at this moment that his faith really came to full fruition. I don't know. Maybe this is a silent way of saying, I checked off the first three boxes, right? Going to more boxes than that. Jesus told him all these different things he had to do. All these prophecies were fulfilled, like the triumphal entry, all these things. Maybe this is John saying, me seeing the linen folded there. Me being an eyewitness to the resurrection. It was at this point that I fully believed. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not that important because, again, we can just speculate and that's it. But we find out here why they never checked off that last box, you see. Why they could look and say, okay, everything that Jesus said was going to happen has happened, including his arrest, his, his torture, um, his crucifixion. But here we find out why they never checked off that last box. Why Mary Magdalene immediately went to somebody's taking our Lord. Why they went running instead of saying, well, yeah, Mary, Jesus said he was going to rise again. We found out why. Verse 9 says they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, they're going to get an education, right? <laughs> Jesus is is going to explain things. But nevertheless, it's at this point that John gives an honest response to what's going on with them. And it is that they just didn't understand. Now, we got to be careful. we got to be careful here because we can't look at them and say, goodness, why are you guys so dense? What's wrong with you guys? Jesus told you what was going to happen. We say that from the position of having the entirety of God's word at our disposal. We say that after 2,000 and some odd years of Christianity, okay? Y'all, we say that as we have the Holy Spirit dwell inside us. I'm not saying that they get a free pass for forgetting these things because Jesus told them again and again. But what I am saying is we need to cut them some slack. All of this that we know to be true was brand new for them. They never really understood until after Jesus had risen from the dead. They never really, really understood until the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this is developing now. But it's fascinating because it's in this setting that we see Jesus meets them where they are. Jesus commissions them to go and be his people. And it gives us a very, very good application, and it's this. You know, you don't have to understand everything to believe. Is there evidence? Yes, absolutely there's evidence. And I'm not saying that evidence cannot be an important part of faith, but faith is separate. At the end of the day, there are all sorts of things that we take on faith. Now, I read this article just a couple of days ago about how scientists believe that the Earth's core has changed course and has started spinning the other way. Y'all, scientists have no clue what's at the center of our planet. As certain as they can be, the, the, the same scientists, you know, take medicine, for instance, right? 
A hundred years ago, they were certain that leeches were a valuable part of health care. Oh, yeah, your blood's got cocaine or your blood's got ghosts in it. You know, let's do some cocaine about it. Right. I mean, that was <laughs> scientists are sure about a whole lot of things. And then later on, they figure out, oh, yeah, yeah we weren't right about that. They have no clue what's at the center of the earth. I don't know. But they speculate about these things. There are all sorts of things that we just enjoy and we don't know why and how they work because you don't have to understand everything. John and Peter, they didn't understand everything, but they knew who Jesus was. And that was good enough. They placed their faith in him, you see, and that was sufficient. Such is the case with you. You know, the scope of human experience is so small. Oh, it is so small. Our level of understanding is minuscule. But this is where trust comes in, you see. Where we trust in the word of the almighty God. We trust in the everlasting promises of God. And we act out of that. We let that be our motivation. Now, that's one application. Another application is that you and I really should be grateful what John and Peter were learning, y'all, they didn't have a New Testament to learn to, you know, or, or, or to look to and say, oh, well, you know, we'll go ahead and flip to the end of Luke and then we'll know what's going on, Peter. Was it there for them? It is there for us. And with the same vigor, right, with the same joy, with the same willingness, we should approach Jesus as they did, not having to know everything, but trusting. Now, I think that's enough for today. We'll pick up tomorrow in verse 10 with Mary Magdalene. Um, but again, what a joyful time. The grave could not hold them. Death and hell were defeated, and we are the beneficiaries of this. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. We thank you for John's honesty here. And we thank you for the fact that we don't have to know everything because we know you. It's good to know things. Nothing wrong with that. But Father, let us not put ourselves on this haughty position of thinking that we can have all the evidence and weigh all the options and, and, and elevate ourselves so much. You call us to live by faith and not by sight. And yet, the more we know, the more we learn, it just backs up the truth. Thank you, Father for being so wonderful. Thank you for sending your son to die. Thank you that he lives today, that that tomb is empty. And we pray it all in his name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you everybody for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will come back together tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Christine, good morning. And there's Becky and Alice and Rose and the other Becky. And I see Elizabeth. And yes, John is challenging. A lot of interesting things that he includes and doesn't include, Roberta. Good morning to you. And there's my buddy Wayne. And oh, Will, brother, I wish I had some leeches. I wish I had some lychee. Y'all ever had the bubble tea with lychee in it? Not leeches, lychee. Mm, it's delicious. But uh, yeah, medical uh, history is fascinating. All right, y'all. And I'm sure one day they'll look at what we've done with COVID and be like, those barbarians. Whatever, whatever. Hopefully Jesus comes back before them. 
Hope that everybody has a fabulous Monday. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow at 7. Until then, have a wonderful day.